if this is the first episode of Grap Girls you've ever listened to, I think you've picked the right one. Because <laughs> we are so low that we do not give a shit. Welcome to Grap Girls, the queer feminist wrestling podcast. I'm Holly. And I'm Shanaz. And we're off our meds, so here's episode six. Um, we haven't done an episode in a really long time. We really haven't, and that's been for so, so many reasons. Um, I know that both of us have been really struggling in terms of work and our mental health. Um, and as a result of that, unfortunately, wrestling has become a thing that we've kind of let fall by the wayside. Yeah. Isn't it weird? Like, uh, mental health has been a, a big thing for both me and Shana's in the last few months. And I kind of assumed that when mental health gets really bad, that wrestling would be this really easy thing to have on in the background because it's just so silly and escapist and you don't really have to be fully invested in. But I realise that's actually really wrong. You do have to be, to fully enjoy wrestling, on the level of like enough to do a podcast you have to be really fully invested and with there being just so much out there i'm finding that really difficult to keep up with so i can't um, actually remember the last wwe thing i watched it's the same it's the same with like any fandom like or anything that's creative because being a fan is a creative thing because the like top level of like using information is being creative with it so when you go on message boards or when you talk to your friends or when you write fan fiction or when you make predictions you're being creative and you're actually interacting with the thing you love and I think it that's the thing I'm so disengaged at the moment from everything that I am not engaged with wrestling because there has to be a level of engagement um I think I'm engaged with anything though as well I feel like wrestling was the first thing to slip because there's just so much of it there's too many products out there it's very easy just to kind of bow out but like I haven't watched EastEnders in a month I can't remember the last time I read a book I find my concentration levels are really low at the moment I can only watch um, I'm calling it trash TV that's not me slagging off TV I love trash TV but like I can watch things that don't really mean all that much that I can just dip in and out of yeah uh, that said I've not watched Love Island this year because that requires too much attention I have to be on it so it's stuff yeah because there's a massive my... social media thing around yeah. Love Island that you would have to interact I'd with I have to be watching it an hour every single day and I feel like Love Island fans are way more dedicated than wrestling fans because that fandom is daily and it's huge and yeah. I, I would love a crossover between Love Island and <laughs> wrestling fandom my level is trash i am a scumbag um i my my actual level that i am on is trash i love trash but i'm not even really there in terms of that level of stuff i'm watching like i'm not even watching stuff i want to watch like you told me heartbreak high was on amazon prime i want to watch heartbreak high 
but I haven't because it would require me to sit down and focus on it. Instead, I've been watching these terrible Australian uh, reality shows that they've got on Netflix at the moment, like Instant Hotel, which is like four in a bed, but super mean. And um, this thing called Yummy Mummies, which is, I mean, it's awful. It's just a world that I'm not from. It's these super rich women who heavily gender everything their children do and like manipulate their lives and and go out and get drunk and i mean actually i don't think with the exception of like super gendering <laughs> your kids i you know kind of wish i could go out and get drunk with my kinda friends all the time this. this sounds amazing i'm getting tips <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah that's kind of where we are emotionally yeah. and tuned in expecting a jam-packed exciting wrestling podcast i'm sorry to disappoint this one's going to be probably a little bit shorter than our usual podcasts um our mental health is bullshit at the moment it's not very good one wrestling well it's not a wrestling thing because they're retired now but one wrestling thing i have been keeping up with has been the bella twins podcast i see i i don't listen to the bella twins podcast i'm very intrigued because i feel like what makes the total bella show and total diva show really good is editing (laughs) and other people so like when the bella twins are dropped into a scenario or a story and hilarity ensues and it's through the editing and the camera and the music and feel like that's like an edited thing i cannot imagine them just freeform chatting what's that like it, it, it's got it's actually the show has a format so they have different sections of the show okay. um and it's super duper sponsored it's just like do you really need all this money <laughs> um but you know if we could get sponsors we we would absolutely do that um but i think the thing is i'm listening to it because i love them but i mean what you've just said is absolutely true even they admit that like they didn't think they could get more unfiltered with their lives than having literally a reality show made about them however they're so unfiltered on the podcast that actually they're a little bit boring um but i i don't know i still really love them but some of the things that they say are quite like triggering in terms of body image like they brie talks all the time about losing her baby weight which i know she does in the show but like but they benefit from editing in the show i think like yeah she her episodes of total divas and total bellas where she talks about body image and, and feeling fat and there's a really cringy conversation which they film where it's her talking to Naya um to talk about body image and fatness and it's as a fat girl that's just the most insulting scene to watch yeah but I like to think there's probably like a an unedited version out there which probably goes on for a lot longer with more offensive stuff so thank god for whoever edited that down into what it is but I guess with a podcast maybe you don't get that and it's just Brie being able to just <laughs> talk about that at length yeah i mean that that was really just the most recent episode but i thought i don't know it was kind of like i want to carry on listening to this but please stop yeah. um but it's kind of like real life isn't it <laughs> in real life where people do that all the time because it's just normalized <laughs> i like to imagine that in that episode of total bellas where brie speaks to naya that actually there's an unedited version where naya goes off on one to brie about like skinny privilege yeah <laughs> and don't say this shit to your fat friend yeah like, if you're having a bad body day don't call your fat friend over and be like i just feel really fat right now <laughs> and then expect your fat friend to give you a pep talk that's just a note if any of my friends ever ask me to do that we are not friends yeah i think that's fair in terms of um kind of triggering body stuff um 
I know that something that's been in the like in the news a lot lately has been those kind of really awful posters. They had them last year as well, but they're back with a vengeance this year. The, the cancer research posters. Obesity, uh, yeah, obesity yeah. causes cancer. It makes me so uncomfortable, and I I was really struggling to articulate why that was. Uh, kind of, I went home last weekend, and I was talking about it with my brother and my dad. Um, and my dad's a really big guy, and like has experienced kind of people telling him to lose weight, like doctors telling him to lose mm-hmm. weight, as opposed to addressing like the actual illnesses and symptoms that he has, which you know is really awful. And I was talking to my brother about that. Um, I mean, hi, brother and dad, if you're listening. But um, yeah, my brother was making a lot of points that actually, you know, a certain weight, you can't be healthy. And it's like, actually, what does that mean? Because, you know, I know plenty of thin people, myself included, who have other terrible health problems um, that, you know, like that everyone can be unhealthy and everyone can be healthy what yeah. do we even mean by being healthy it's it, what it is is a, de- a denial of healthcare for fat people and it's shaming fat people and i'm a fat person and if you are listening to this and you maybe don't have any fat friends my advice to you is get some they're awesome it's true but if you don't have any fat friends use me as an example if you like i will be your pretend hypothetical fat friend your token fat friend and we'll say that if you are a thin person now is your chance to kind of stick up for fat people around the world and see what kind of bullshit they have to face in not getting healthcare and in being treated like that. Um, I sprained my ankle a couple of weeks ago and went to the doctors and was in a lot of pain and couldn't stand on it and it was excruciating. And my doctor didn't even ask to look at my ankle, didn't even ask me to take my shoe off or my sock off. Um, he just saw a fat girl sitting in his chair and he gave me a 10 minute monologue advertising uh, weight loss medication to me um, and I had to just limp home on this swollen ankle which he'd refused to even look at and it was on an ankle that I'd fractured a couple of years ago so I was also worried about maybe the fracture had come back I was really worried like, I couldn't stand on it but all he saw was a fat person and he asked me if I exercised and I said yes because I'm doing ballet at the moment and he laughed as though like the idea of a fat girl doing ballet was the most hilarious thing to him in the world um, and I remember disgusting. thin people, like my thin friends at the time were like, oh my God, maybe, you know, you should change doctors. That's, that's really bad. As though every doctor I've ever seen in my life hasn't routinely done that for the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went to get my tonsils looked at for tonsillitis, I was told to lose weight. When I last went for my smear test, when you're in a very vulnerable uh, position and it's quite traumatic for a lot of people, myself included, um, the nurse who was literally had her hands inside me while I was in this very vulnerable position said, um, does your boyfriend find you attractive while you're fat? Don't you want to lose weight for him? And I do not go to the doctors because of that. Like I, I put stuff off all the time, mental health included, because every time I go for mental health, you get told to lose weight. Um, and so, you know, people complain about fat people being a blight to the NHS system, but don't worry, we don't go to the doctors anymore, so we won't be. But, I mean, if there's any kind of statistical data that's showing that fat people are more likely to have, like, acute medical conditions or die as a result of medical conditions, no wonder they don't want to go to the doctors. Or we get misdiagnosed. There's countless stories of people um, getting misdiagnosed, people whose tumours aren't recognised and only seen as fatness, and then later on it's developed into... Um, incurable late-stage cancer. Um, there are so many statistics around health, and I think everyone has to be very careful when they're using the word health because health 
means and encompasses mm. so many different things. It's not about weight. It's not about one thing. It's about so many different things. And the real thing that that causes that causes cancer is um, austerity, poverty, lack of health education, um, lack of um, free and cheap accessible exercise options and food options, and yeah. lack of free affordable healthcare. Um, lack of clued up doctors who are willing to to treat fat people um, lack of just care for for migrants and immigrants and people of color um yeah i'm i'm really angry yeah no you absolutely really should angry. be because that i mean that was you know not a great conversation i was having with my family last week and you know i i just i want to stick up for fat people and I implore everyone out there to do that because I'm telling you you all know a fat person and that fat person is a human to you who you love and like you absolutely cannot stand for people dehumanizing and shaming people you love it's not okay um so you know stick um, up for your fat friends for god's sake thank you um I, I also it, say medical research isn't neutral there's no research that is neutral there, there's the medical industry is, is highly privatised, even behind the NHS. A huge amount of money goes into research companies. And I think the relationship and, and um, mutual benefactor of, of cancer research working with an organisation like Weight Watchers is very, very dangerous. If you have cancer research, this massive, huge organisation working with Weight Watchers, isn't it interesting then that that research is skewed a certain way to benefit yeah. Weight Watchers? So absolutely, fuck you, cancer research. Fuck you, Weight Watchers. Yeah, fuck you, Weight Watchers. And like that, it was something that was mentioned earlier anyway. But like, diet really does fuck all. Like you know, in my family, there's like loads of history of yo-yo dieting i know my dad's tried some really extreme diet things where you just like have like a milkshake or something but the milkshake tasted like shit so he ended up not eating for a month and of course he lost weight because that's the science but like it takes oh my god it just it takes so much from you and like yeah diets kill you they creates disordered eating like it's an industry which sells you disordered eating um it it distorts your relationship with food it tells you to hate your own body. Yeah. Um, and it creates, that's the most unhealthy thing you can do is to diet. Diets are proven to not work. Of course they diets don't. Diets do not work. Um, there's lots to be said about health. You can be healthy at any size. You can be mm-hmm. healthy and active and live a very, very long life as a fat person. It's the world around you that makes it uncomfortable and difficult and harder to do so. Yeah. And I would also just add that I mean, there is a whole capitalist system that we are being kind of all turned against each other by. So, you know, they turn thin people against fat people. They turn women against men. They turn, uh, you know, white people against black people because there's a whole thing that's bigger than all of us that benefits from all of us being angry with each other instead of angry with the things that matter. So don't, you know, think that the biggest problem we've got going is fat people being a blight on the nhs when actually there are people out there um who are you know living in america and and flying out you know hundreds of people to come and renovate their home from europe and and yeah oh it's just fucking disgusting the world is fucked i'm sorry everyone if you've just joined us you are listening to a wrestling podcast (laughs) um um, when will we? <laughs> yeah, thank you for letting us rant, and welcome to our communist utopia. <laughs> if this is the first episode of Grap Girls you've ever listened to, I think you've picked the right one. 
Because we are so low that we do not give a shit. excited because g1 started last week yep okay um, and we were saying before wrestling when you're feeling like shit is really hard to watch and i've not been watching i've not watched new japan in months i just really haven't i've been really out of it yeah and i only got into new japan last year and i think if you've listened to the podcast before you'll know hands up we're new wrestling fans that's fine and i found g1 so confusing yeah. as a newbie like it's just it's so fucking long it is. I, I did watch quite a bit of it last year, um, but this year, as as mentioned, there's just been so much going on that I've only I only watched the Will Osprey um, match where he won the Super Juniors. So that's the only one I watched. It was really good. Um, not a huge Will Osprey fan, but it was no, a great match. He's a dick. Um, I'm just offended. I just realised that this uh, the whole G1 goes on over my birthday. So I just want future wrestling promotions to know if you want me to watch your stuff don't have it around my birthday <laughs> i'm gonna be doing other things and i know i don't have a lot of clout in the wrestling world but maybe just i really hope new japan take that on board for 2020 Bear it in mind. yeah yeah I, I really enjoyed the kickoff of g1 last week it was it was good um dipping in and out of it i think my favorite one is you know i got to see zach Sabre jr and sonada and yeah. i just watched that while eating my tea on my lap and every now and then i would just shout my slippery boys <laughs> because they were just slipping in and out of each other's holds so well holds 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 my slippery boys it was just really fun and they just kept slipping in and out and I thought it was great Grap girls, I know and love. Yeah, and they were there somewhere. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Get down. There's more to watch tomorrow. I'm just, I'm gonna let it wash over me. I feel like it's a kind of thing where there'll be maybe one match. Yeah. Per show, which I'll be like, that was good. That was slippery. That yep. was good. Um. I will probably. I know it's it's next week, and by the time this episode go goes out, this will probably happen. But I will hopefully watch next thursday but friday our time because i really like evelyn sonata so that's gonna be amazing yeah i'm looking forward to that i will definitely watch that um i will make the time for that <laughs> but i just i can't watch the whole thing i it's just can't do too it too much wrestling can everything just be a little bit shorter in bite-sized chunks and ideally not over my birthday mm. that's all i want from a wrestling show yeah Speaking of wrestling shows that go on for a really long time, we went to Wrestle Queendom a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> what? It did. It overran. It overran. Um, I think we, we also, That's after the show, it's not a, a blight against the show. No, I show. really enjoyed it, but <laughs> I, I was aware that we were going to be leaving by eight o'clock um, or earlier even. We so. all met up before the show, so we went with our very good friends uh, Steve and Liz and Polly Hiya. and uh, Kyle came with us too, and we were all just eating our tea beforehand, just being like, isn't it great? We'll all be in bed by 8pm. <laughs> this is going to be amazing. And sadly, that, that didn't happen, but uh, I think you I just, really... Yeah, I think you need to bear in mind, that was the yeah. mind frame we went in with so when when it went on until eight o'clock the little old lady in me was like 
oh dear, <laughs> oh dear, I'm going to be very tired for work tomorrow. Even though, of course, I'd only found out that day that it wasn't starting later and finishing later. <laughs> so I've really got nothing to complain about. But once you get an idea in your head that you might be in bed early, woof. <laughs> That's exciting to a mid thirty year old like us. Yeah, mid thirties. Yeah. yeah, I got home just in time for Gentleman Jack, so it was fine. It was okay in the end. What's it? What's Gentleman Jack? What's Gentleman Jack? Gentleman yeah. Jack is the focus of my new podcast, which is all about uh, Saran Jones. It's um, it's the based on the secret diaries of Anne Lister, who's a famous Yorkshire lesbian uh-huh. in the olden days, in the past, played by Saran Jones. From As a history Nation teacher, Street. I am very angry about what you just said. <laughs> Be specific. No. Soz. From the olden times. Not like the really old times, but like the kind of olden times. Okay. Actually, no, I've got that wrong. I shouldn't say lesbian. She was uh, non-gender conforming and um, lived with her lifelong life partner, who was also called Anne. I can't remember her other name. And they they married. It was like the first kind of, people think of it as like the first lesbian wedding. Cool. Um, she was a dick. She was a Tory, I guess, uh, in the sense that she was oh a landlord. Dear. I don't think she was a Tory, but she was rich and she was powerful and she wanted to keep her money. So, yeah, she was quite evil. Mm. But she's played by Saran Jones and Gentleman Jack. And I really like Saran Jones. Okay. And, yeah. Behind her back, she's Gentleman Jack, the Yorkshire lady of renown. Never so fine, more toe the line, speak her name, Gentleman Frown. So, we went to Wrestle Queendom which is the largest um, European women's wrestling event at York Hall. It was organised by Pro Wrestling Eve. Um, that was a couple of weeks ago. And I think we'd, I'd, I'd seen Wrestle Queendom um, on Eve On Demand. I mm-hmm. didn't see it live last year. But I remember watching the first one at home and just being, like, so excited. Yeah. Because um, up until that point, I'd only been to, like, Eve shows, um, like, a couple of times throughout the year. And mm-hmm. it felt it felt amazing, but it felt very, very small. And so yeah. to see an Eve show where you've got a massive, massive audience and it starts the cage match. Um, and it feels, like, super slick and super amazing. I'd never seen anything like that before that was just all women's wrestling. So I remember watching that at home being like, right, when this happens again, I really want to go. Yeah. So I was really excited, the fact that when tickets went on sale, like you and me and all of our friends went and we got really excited about it and I got really that morning I woke up and I was like oh it's Wrestle Queen today. I'm really excited um and yeah um I think for me it was like a lot of wrestlers that I knew from Eve and my knowledge of stardom stuff is non-existent so I was yeah. really kind of happy to have a nice little introduction to wrestlers that otherwise I might not have known very well yeah I thought that was really cool did you have a standout match um yeah i think one of my standout matches which was surprising for me because i wasn't expecting to love it as much as i did was laura de mateo and jordan grace the grudge match yes yeah i really really loved that they the hatred that was like like steaming off of both of them was so believable i really believed that they were going to kill each other it felt like that i remember just like seeing them like seething and shaking with rage yeah and it just felt like i was watching two monsters beat the shit out of each other and i'd not seen that kind of rage unleashed from both of them on that level before i've seen matches before but um i don't know what felt different about this one i can't quite put my finger on it like i kind of don't i i mean i'm sure she's done loads of matches i've never seen but laura di matteo always comes across as like very measured yeah um, like very calm um, and so to see her all of a sudden just unleash the fury yeah. was like, oh no, that's so good. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, and yeah. it wasn't the usual kind of thing where like Laura de Matera is like very technical, very slick, 
and then Jordan Grace was like a bit bigger and, and like can do a lot of the the really strong mm. kind of brutal stuff. I've seen those kind of matches before where it's played off as like a David Goliath type scenario where you've got like a little one running around yeah. and like a big one just stomping. It didn't feel like that. Their energy at both at all times was very equal. Yeah. So they were both as brutish as each other. They were both as quick as each other. Yeah. It didn't feel like you had one type of wrestler versus another. Yeah. They both kind of clashed in this really equal kind of way. And I was really pleasantly surprised by that. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Um I've just had this mad thought of what it made me think of, which I guess maybe I didn't think at the time, but in the back of my head it must have been there, which is I grew up in Eastbourne. Eastbourne is a seaside town um with a lot of clubs and um I mean it's England, so a lot of I'm drinking. Really interested to hear where you're going with this. <laughs> but it's just I've seen a lot of fights along Eastbourne seafront. <laughs> That grudge match wow. reminded me of real life fights that I've seen. That is the highest accolade you could give yeah. to a wrestling match. Except because because I'm not, you know, I'm a member of an audience and not just a person who happens to be there. I didn't have to feel any fear. That's like true. I could fully enjoy like the hate. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think that's why I maybe really enjoyed that match. Um Amazing. Hopefully Eastbourne's not like that anymore. I hope not. It probably is. It probably is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I loved that match too. Uh, another one that I I loved was Session Goth um, versus Sue Young. Sue Young. That was the, um, oh, the undeath match. It was so great. I was so, like, as soon as Session Goth Martina came in, I was so happy yeah. just to see that side of her was really really fun and I wasn't familiar with Sue Young before as well so to see to see this brand new match that I'd not seen before was really exciting I loved it because I love any gimmicky type thing and so for Martina to come out who already has an amazing gimmick absolutely like Martina's gimmick is probably my fave I want to hang out with Martina she's amazing yeah how can you improve Martina's gimmick make a goth I think that's a common theme though like look at Ginny from the Chris Wolf retirement show yes. how do you improve Ginny's go- uh, gimmick make it goth yeah just temporary goth it always works who else would benefit from gothing up Roman Reigns oh can you imagine him with the eyeliner he'd be so beautiful oh he, I mean he's already beautiful it's not like he's ugger now but like if we went <laughs> we gothed him up oh bless him oh my god if we put a little studded choker on him god like a cyber dog goth yeah down camden oh my god i can totally see with that. his long hair oh no that looks like everyone went to sixth form with oh does it well i didn't really know i don't know any muscular goths do you know any muscular goths no i don't know any muscular that's goths a, a subgenre of goths i've yet to discover except in the world of wrestling that's yeah. the only place but yeah muscular goths exist that match was absolutely brilliant and i loved it and um i loved the brides the, the undead, undead brides, brides creeping towards the that that felt amazing because we were sitting um in one of the blocks facing uh the runway so we kind of like had an amazing view anyway but then to have like undead brides crawling past our seats was like i'm gonna say it was immersive as hell yeah yeah it was really brilliant i loved it um yeah and i mean I'm guessing, I, I, I think all of the Undead Brides were also Eve wrestlers, but I mean, they were very well played. Yeah. All of them were very well played. And they kind of moved in unison with each other as well, which was really creepy and I liked it a lot. It's one of those matches that I think would benefit from me going back and watching it on Eve mm. On Demand because a lot of stuff happened outside the ring. They went up the ramp yeah. at one point and kind of like had a sit down thing. Was that that yeah. match? 
No, yes, that was that, that was. was that match. And so I think because I where we were sitting, I couldn't quite see those bits. So I was like, yeah, that's one thing I definitely want to go back and watch again. Yeah. What was the like fat suit thing about? I don't know. Made me uncomfortable. Not like a fat suit or a sumo suit, and I couldn't tell if it was. I think it was a big baby suit, but maybe it's something that I'm missing. Yeah, I just couldn't tell. I you know, bit sensitive about fat stuff. Don't want to see a fat suit. Yeah, couldn't tell. Other than that, that match was incredible. Yeah, I really loved that that match. There was that moment where uh, I think Martina was like each of the brides was positioned. You had four brides around the outside of the ring, and she like took them out one by one in this really cool maneuver, and it was just incredible. It was just amazing. Yeah, it was a really great match. I'm yeah, I was totally there for that one. Um, One of the stardom matches that I really liked was um, Kagetsu and Mayu Awatani. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yep, yeah, right at the beginning. Um, Just so fast. Yeah. And some really (gasps) good moves from the top rope. Those two worked so well together. Their styles really worked really well together. Oh my God. Iwatami, when she came out and like lifted her leg up to her head. She was so bendy. Oh my God. Honestly, my like, slippery boys and my bendy girls. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just so impressed by any feat of the human body that involves being able to move in ways that I absolutely cannot. It has taken me to the age of 33 to be able to touch my toes. You can when touch I bend- your toes. I couldn't do it until maybe three years ago. It's from Pilates, um, but like, yeah, before that, could never ever do it, and like I been doing this stupid like blogilates stretch project to try and do the splits like i've tried that loads of times i never get there ever so to see someone who could just literally like <laughs> throw their leg up like it's their arm but yeah that match was incredible she was so yeah it was incredible just so fast they got like again they were just at a speed that i wasn't wasn't used to and i think i was i was a bit tired we were, we were really full we just had like a massive meal before wrestle queen <laughs> it probably wasn't the right thing to do was it we should probably wait until oh after it was, it was so hot that day like we were in the middle of a heat wave we were so tired our water got confiscated at the uh, entrance which i wasn't happy about and we were so tired and not that that's not a great way to go into a wrestling show that's about to mm. happen for about another three hours but that match really woke me up. Yeah, yeah, it was exactly great. what I needed. I would just say with the whole water thing, loads of venues do that. Like all venues do that, but why? It it's sucks. water, and like I took a. It was a water bottle that I had in with me, and it was water in there. And if if they make you dump it out, that's fine. But then there was no freely available drinking water. Yeah, the queue for the bar was so long. Oh, it was a heat wave. Bar. Yeah, and it's not it's not your call that's the only venue that does that. No, it happens a lot like a lot of do shows I go to. Do it and yeah, it's really shit. It's really ableist. It's really it's really shit for people that don't drink and are sober. Uh yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um other matches, I mean, oh my god. So Viper versus Kaylee Ray was, was emotional. Oh. And what was what was worse if we can talk about it for a minute was um before um, Viper and Kaylee Ray's match, it was Charlie Morgan's mm. retirement speech. So that was an extra level of emotion that none of us were prepared for. Yeah. Like Charlie Morgan came out, and if you think back to last year's Wrestle Queendom, we saw Charlie Morgan do a flip off the top balcony. <laughs> I remember watching that from home and screaming at my TV at that yeah. moment. That felt like such an iconic moment. And so when she came out into the ring, I kind of thought it was there to like 
throw down some talk about right you're gonna see me next month resistance gallery blah 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 like yeah i thought maybe maybe it was announcing her comeback and then just as she got in the ring you made like a funny joke you were like oh is she retiring as well kind of making like a little offhand comment thinking i mean possibly be true yeah exactly it was an offhand comment i didn't really mean it as like a a joke i wasn't trying to be horrible or anything no 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 um, but just like oh wouldn't it be funny if this was her retirement speech as well but like no but we genuinely thought as she was coming out that it was going to be like i'm back so like when i said that i kind of was thinking won't be that um and then it was uh and it was really hard to watch it was. it was so hard to watch it had been a very like it'd been a very long afternoon everyone was kind of really like pumped up for the next couple of matches and all of a sudden the energy in that room really changed because charlie morgan means so much to so many people mm. people genuinely felt gutted and yeah um it's never nice to hear that someone has to retire especially due to health um there's a lot of people feeling sad for you know her potential but also i think people feel really happy that she you know people are looking after their health and doing the right thing for themselves so i think that's always a really interesting thing as a wrestling fan you're sad for you know that potential being lost but ultimately happy that they're healthy and okay and and good yeah i am i i think like Charlie Morgan versus Ginny was the first ever women's wrestling match I ever saw. So it was a couple of years ago. Um, my partner took me and our friend Catherine to a Rev Pro show uh, where Keith Lee was like the main event. Um, but um, yeah, Charlie Morgan versus Ginny was the only women's match on that card. And me and my friend Catherine were like so inspired by them. I mean, I was like super inspired and was like, maybe I'll do wrestling. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we went outside like during whatever the next men's match was because they were all men's matches and we like spoke to them and stuff and they were both really lovely. And so, yeah, I just, I just, I feel sad that Charlie Morgan's not around anymore. But at the same time, exactly what you're saying, I'm pleased to see that they are taking care of their health in an industry where you can basically get run into the ground if you don't. She did make that statement. She was like, I want to grow old gracefully. And she's like, she's 27 now. She's, she's very, very young. Yeah. Um, But I'm, I'm guessing that kind of injury must've really shaken her up. It Mm. was, I think it was her debut with Shimmer in the States. And I remember reading about on Twitter. I think, I think I just assumed she'd twisted her ankle or something. And then as reports came in, it was like, I know it's much more serious than that. Um, but like naively thought oh she'll be back it'll be yeah. fine um, but yeah I can't imagine what it's like to be so young and be be so at the top of your game and have so many doors opening for you and, and so many opportunities and be like I, I can't do this Yeah. just because you know we were at the Chris Wolf retirement show a month ago and that was incredibly emotional Yeah. it felt like a repeat of that with, um, with Charlie so it was really really sad to see her go but also just really lovely to see all the love in that room people cheering for her um, people just really feeling a lot of pride and you know she she said in the ring as well she was the first um, out queer woman yeah. in the ring and lots of stomps and cheers from all the queers in that room as well mm. that really meant a lot to people so yeah really gonna really fucking gonna miss Charlie Morgan yeah here's to you Charlie Morgan yeah here's to you Anyway, so how do you follow that? Because then it was well, Viper and Kenny. That's which how you follow it. Everyone was already excited for, but I felt like my energy level at that time was not yeah. where it needed to be. I felt, I, I know there was no like intermission or anything, but at that moment I was like, I need just a moment mm. to kind of regroup and then get ready. Because then when Ky- uh, Kaylee Ray and, and Viper came out, I wasn't quite as amped up as I wanted to be. So like, I felt a little bit flat. 
And it wasn't the match that made me feel flat. It was just me feeling a bit flat. Yeah, I think um, I, I did feel quite uplifted by that match, to be honest. Because, like, in this, in a similar way to how I'd really loved the grudge match that was earlier. But this wasn't a grudge match. This was a mates match. Oh, um, I love that. We've said it so many times as I well. I love that friendship. Friendship in wrestling is the best thing. And the amount of respect that Kaylee Ray and Viper have for each other, the history that they have with each other is so prevalent in that ring it's yeah. such a part of who they are and they they've never done that whole kind of bitchy storyline like mm-hmm. i'm better than you and and that kind of played out thing you see time and time again it's very yeah. easy for women to be written in that way um their storylines that they do that i've loved is all based on their friendship like yeah. they are going champion against champion like it is a worthy opponent for both of them yeah and it's so wonderful and i really loved it and i loved all the callbacks as well i loved viper doing the mountain Mountain. bit oh everyone was so happy about that and yeah so i mean in many ways i mean if you listen to our last episode or if you saw the chris wolf retirement show in many ways echoes what we were talking about in the last episode it was a match that very much kind of hit all the right notes for us yeah um so yeah i was quite uplifted by that match yeah and i'm glad that that viper won so that she's had the eve title that was really emotional like yeah. I, I did a little bit of a cry when she held up the bell that felt yeah. really special and I, I think one of the things i really liked about that match is how playful it was like they were both making themselves laugh a lot in that ring mm. they were kind of smiling at each other and it was like come on give me your best like let's yeah. let's make this the best match we can possibly go out on yeah. and it, it felt amazing um and it's something you don't get to see in a lot of women's matches yeah particularly like you said when it's the only women's match within like a male wrestling show that's not what the women are there to do that's not the story that they're yeah. meant to do i feel like there is a little bit more freedom when you have like women's only shows to yeah. kind of explore other storylines um and i really really like that yeah. um but then you know viper won but then attacked by Rhea O'Reilly exactly well I mean they couldn't have her taking the title away with her could they no wow did not see that coming though no neither did I neither did I but the return of Rhea O'Reilly was uh, it was good very exciting I really enjoyed it so yeah I thought that was a really great way to change the title over and make sure that Viper had had a good win and I I think it was done really well I enjoyed it and that is my recital (laughs) (laughs) one thing there was one thing about um that evening which has absolutely nothing to do with wrestling but <laughs> was but, it our seats getting triple booked it wasn't our seats getting triple booked so it was got triple booked so I, th- I think you know I, I feel really embarrassed even talking about this but embarrassed isn't actually the right word and i'll try and explain that a bit further there were some guys sitting behind us at this show who were doing the thing that I really can't stand of just basically commentating the whole match. Um, it really, really was getting on my nerves. And I I mean, I get it if that's what you want to do when you go to a show, but like keep it down um, because people around you are not here to listen to just some person commentate a match. It's, it's you know, it's not what I've paid to go there for. I want to enjoy it. I want to be able to chat to my friends. Yeah. I don't want to have someone really, really loud making comments about how getting hit in the boob supposedly hurts. Oh, um, no, Japanese women are really small. Mm, that was one of the comments I heard. I mean, it wasn't just that. Some of it was, you know, probably quite legitimate, like, technical commentary. 
But I got so riled up by it that I turned around and I did something that it, I would always wish I would do, but I was terrified of doing, which is I turned around and I begged him to please stop. And beg is the right word because what I wanted to do was turn around and tell him to shut up. But as a woman approaching a man and asking him to stop something, I felt really scared of how he might retaliate. So I said it in a pleading fashion. You were you very know. polite. You were you. The way you turned around was you. I think you said, "Are you enjoying this match?" And they said yes. And you said, "I am too." But all I can hear is you. So if you if you wouldn't mind, could you please not? Because I'm trying to enjoy the match too. And that was it. Was literally that. It was a request, and it was phrased in like a very articulate and very polite way. Uh, I mean, I think I was I was kind of doing it so quickly to get it over and done with that I felt. I felt immediately afraid um and the guy himself he seemed he seemed a bit embarrassed and a bit taken aback and I mean he you know they then moved away so I was kind of like okay so I've definitely offended this person but then rather than just feel like okay they're gone I can enjoy it now I kind of was really worried for the rest of it that a they'd be waiting to say something to me and make me feel uncomfortable later because that's my experience of of when you stick up for yourself as a woman um or b um that they might have known who we were from grap girls i'm sure they probably didn't and then drag us on the internet so those are my two main concerns i don't think they're one of the 12 people that listen to us (laughs) but i know what you mean yeah Um, because up until you turn around to say like it's such a difficult thing to put your finger on being at a wrestling show as to why that why that kind of constant um commentary can feel irritating and upsetting because on paper it's just someone talking about the thing that they're watching that they love um but there's just something so so unnecessary about it that feels like it's a way to display knowledge show off statistics kind of show yeah. I, I am a big fan of this thing and I'm going to say this thing very very loudly so the people around me know I am yeah. a very big fan and to kind of constantly feel the need to fill all the gaps with your talking when actually there's lots going on and I'm not against people like saying oh look at that movie well that's really cool or did you see her last match like joining in a little bit and I don't expect someone to watch a wrestling match in silence either but there's you've got to be aware that when you're at a wrestling show you are around other people and if you're performing this kind of commentary the people around you are maybe not going to be into that performance that you're yeah, doing yeah it's it was just constant wasn't it and I just think no one else around us was doing it so it yeah. stood out and it it was like it really no one else was around everyone else around us was like whooping and cheering and like doing chants and stuff like that which was really cool um i'd I'd never when i've been to wrestling shows before i've definitely heard that kind of commentary this non-stop commentary behind me and i'm just kind of used to it Mm. but then it's like why should i it's just it's really really irritating um um and then i would say the thing that i then did which i actually i was even ashamed of doing it once i'd done it was to address both of these things i then posted on twitter that i felt embarrassed that i'd had to ask someone to stop talking um and that i think they felt embarrassed too and you know oh god isn't it all just really embarrassing for everyone involved and then i put like the wrestle queendom 2 hashtag on it just in case that person was looking and would find it and like not be angry at me and it's just like 
that was me trying to like fireproof the whole situation because I was still scared that I might get someone come back on me for doing what actually was objectively the right thing to do. You were just, at the end of the day, you were just asking someone to be a bit quiet and a bit respectful of the people around you. I think it is interesting that like women at those shows, you are kind of, um, like you said, smoothing things out and making sure that it's going to be okay and like fireproofing this stuff in case it comes back on you in a way that I'm pretty sure if a guy just turned around and said, look, mate, can you be a bit quiet? He's not then going to go on Twitter and be like, oh, I'm really embarrassed about telling someone off and hope they're okay. Hashtag WrestleQueendom. I think it's something that women intuitively do and don't realise that we do it because you just want to live without that fear of how is this going to come back on me because we've all been in those like punk scenes where that has happened and we've all known men that you've been intimidated after a show. Just friendship groups as well. It's the power dynamic um, when it's men and women. Yeah. different. Um, yeah, so there's that. I, for one, I'm glad that you said something because I couldn't handle one more match. And I th- at one point I was like, maybe we could move. Like, I was trying to, like, are there any of the spare seats mm. around us where we could move to? But there was, like, seven of us sitting in a row and that would have been quite difficult. But I was just like, I can't watch one more match yeah, with that in I my know. head. And also, I mean, the thing is, as the other thing with it as well is that years ago... Um, I was at ATP and Neutral Milk Hotel were doing like an acoustic set and it was boring as fuck, Holly. Oh, I I believe you. I don't like Neutral Milk Hotel. I I don't. Um, And so me and an ex were there chatting to each other about Twin Peaks, which of course was interesting. Um, And a guy turned around and said to me, I love this band. Please stop talking. It's all I can hear. And it didn't matter that I thought that the band was shit. I immediately shut up because I don't want to ruin someone else's time. Yeah. Like, I just think it probably is the right thing to do to say when someone is ruining your time. Maybe then this is something that he's going to reflect on. Maybe you're changing hearts and minds. (laughs) And the next time he's at a wrestling show and he feels that he wants to give... I cannot emphasise enough that it was non-stop. Maybe the next time he's at a wrestling show wanting to give a non-stop commentary, he'll think back to that time where actually someone turned around and said, all I can hear while watching this match while trying to enjoy the show is you. Please, can you not? Because maybe people just aren't aware of of their presence at these things and what that means for other people. It doesn't mean don't enjoy. It doesn't mean don't chat and shout along and be vocal because your role at a wrestling show is to be vocal and be a member of that audience. But there's already a commentator for the for yeah. Eve. you don't need to second one I have something to say about intergender wrestling in WWE is that okay, okay? of course it is okay so I just want to point out that I am totally here for intergender wrestling absolutely here for it I know WWE brought in Mixed Match Challenge last year. I know that in Lucha, um, like they have mixed gender wrestling just as I love a, mixed gender wrestling. I yeah, I think it absolutely should become like normal standard. Um, however, WWE have done Mixed Match Challenge in the last year. The thing I don't really like about that is that it's still women versus women yeah. and men versus men. So it's not really mixed, really. Um, but they're kind of I feel like Mixed Match Challenge was kind of testing the water in what that would be like and then bringing it into mainstream WWE particularly with the Becky and Seth versus what's her face and and awful her and awful him now I just the thing I want to say about this is that WWE have not got 
mixed gender wrestling right yet they haven't there's loads that they need to do and go on their journey with but i will say this in a video game you would not pick two highly like two characters with really high stats to work together because they don't need each other it just it's just wwe obviously capitalizing on the fact that they're a couple now by putting them together in the ring when actually they don't need each other it's why would you put yeah. two high powered characters defending each other their characters it's unnecessary don't. so i i love becky i love becky so much i wish i wish she was queer um i really love becky and there's still hope there's still hope she still could be um mm. Becky and Seth is fine. He's boring. He's sweet, but he's boring. Exactly. Um, she's really cool, though. <laughs> she's so fucking cool. It's like every time there's a cool girl and she ends up with a boring guy. What is mm. that? It's boring guy syndrome. Um, but the thing that I've loved about Mixed Match Challenge is it's also, like you said, it's not really into gender wrestling at all. But mm. what it is, it's like half an hour of really good comedy. And you get some really wonderful, like, comedic moments I'm thinking back, like, before Kevin Owens got injured, him and Natalia <gasps> oh, I loved that. was just wonderful. You've got Carmella and R-Truth. You've got, got these really wonderful yeah. moments. And, you know, I th- I, the thing I love about Mixed Match Challenge is there's so much potential for comedy and good characters. And it doesn't have to be part of this, like, overarching mm. storyline. It's this, like, little spin-off that's really fun and encapsulated in its own thing. Yeah. But then I think bringing, bringing Becky and Seth in, who are part of the overarching storyline... And also do not need each other to have a fun mm. storyline. And also, Seth can't do comedy. Mm. That would just be horrific. I yeah. can't see that. I just can't. But I mean, that's that's one of the main matches at um, Extreme Rules this Sunday. And who I just... Would, who would... Okay, so like, we're booking WWE. Who would you pair Becky with to have a good mixed match challenge? Sami Zayn. Ginger and ginger action. Yeah. Dancing. Dancing. He skanks. She kind of does her weird like throw the hood off thing no they'd just skank together wouldn't they it'd be bloody great they'd just skank it would be amazing and like it would bring out all of her dockiness it would be so good it'd all be elbows and knees it'd be amazing yeah it would be so good and then Seth would be with the Iconics because (gasps) they would make him funny they would oh that's so perfect isn't it that would be amazing you're the best (laughs) you're the best mind (laughs) Is that um, really the, one of the main events at... Um, yeah. Oh, I've not watched it in a long time. No, I know. Well, it was the last pay-per-view where he came out. To, oh, I fell asleep before just, that bit. Yeah. I genuinely fell asleep. Just why? She doesn't need him to defend her. Mm, that's not the character they've built. It doesn't match the storyline. It's fine. Be a couple, but like... Ugh. What people do in the privacy of their own home is fine. Don't flaunt it in front of me and my kids. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah, my fur babies don't need to see that. <laughs> um, but I do think integrating Mixed Match Challenge into mainstream WWE has been a long time coming because ages ago, in fact, not ages ago, but when Mixed Match Challenge was going on, um, I Alistair Black was did a live video um, while he was getting tattooed on his honeymoon with Zelina Vega. And that was relevant to my interest because I, of I course. yeah, I mean, I watch tattooing videos all day. Well, not all day, but like while I'm marking at work, I generally have like rubbishy YouTube documentaries and the Inks channel and stuff on them in the background. 
yeah, so relevant to my interests. And he was like, you know, ask me anything. And one of the questions I asked was like, oh, oh, what would I ask Alistair Black? I love him. What would I say? And so I was just like, oh, pick something out of your brain. I was like, oh, would you do Mixed Match Challenge with Selena Vega? And um, I don't even know if he was replying to what I said, but he just like did a shrug and went, sure. And I was like, oh, cool. So something's definitely coming then. (laughs) Definitely coming. But actually, even so, they don't have a storyline together in WWE. So it would not make sense for them to do Mixed Match Challenge together. No, that's forcing a little bit. It is. But I like that with Mixed Match Challenge, it does tend to bring people that aren't in each other's world. That's why Natty and Kevin Owens work so well, because putting them together in that world is, it creates a tension. But like putting people together where it's not going to create a tension mm. I, you want that tension you want them to be either at odds with each other or like like when it was charlotte with um flat earther <laughs> they've never put her with anyone good she was with bobby Roode before oh, she just makes everyone else she has to do all the fucking yeah. heavy lifting um but like it it, it works because then it was supposed to be like champion and champion against everyone else but you know as usual charlotte had to carry him on, a, on her back on a very strong beautiful back yeah women always have to do the emotional labor her back is amazing yeah she's so strong she's so fucking strong anyway on our last episode we set a book challenge because i think we got into wrestling quite late and we missed a whole generation of Mm wrestlers and we're kind of now going back and, and learning about a lot of stuff that we've really missed out on and one of the people that we've missed out on is AJ Lee and uh, we want to read one of her books because wrestling books in general tend to be awful but hers actually looked like it was going to be quite interesting yeah. so we thought we can read that yeah exactly and we did we did we and did. I said you know at the beginning my mental health has meant that I can't read books I read her book in a week yeah, it's an easy read. I think it's written kind of like YA, so it was it's very accessible. Very YA written. Yeah. yeah, I loved it. Um, in terms of the type of book it was, we chose it because it's a wrestling book, it's autobiographical. We wanted to find out more about one of the divas that people really kind of cite as being kind of instrumental in, you know, changing things from diva to superstar. Obviously, that change didn't happen in her time, though. We were kind of reading it, wanting to find out about that story, but I would not place this book really in a wrestling book category. I I read a lot of sad girls' books. I am a sad girl. The best genre. I like yeah, I like to read stuff about and by other sad girls. So this year I've read uh, My Year of Rest and Relaxation, Stay Sexy and Don't Get Murdered, and Loud in the House of Myself. And I mean, I think the AJ Lee book fits really neatly in, like, on a shelf with those other three books. Because and I've only read YA books, so it actually fit <laughs> on my shelf as well. Because I couldn't really... When we talked about setting, like, a book club for wrestling to kind of try and educate ourselves a little bit more, I was really kind of nervous about it because the idea of reading a wrestling book mm. made me feel a little bit sick. Because I look at some of the wrestling books that are out there and I was like, I don't really want to have to read this. But I like the fact that it was written by someone who wasn't employed for WWE at the time. So it was more, it wasn't so much like a, a promo for WWE and their existing character. It was more a biography, like a genuine biography. Yeah. Um, and, you know, wasn't all that focused about WWE either. No. Yeah, I think that's such a small portion of the book. The rest of it is about her childhood um growing up um yeah. growing up um growing up very poor i think it was a really good 
an honest depiction of what it's like to be poor in America. Yeah, and um, um, she, you know, she talks a lot about how young her parents were, and as someone who I had very young parents as well, like a lot of it hit a lot of notes for me in terms of like them being like a cool uncle uh, rather than <laughs> rather than an active role model. Yeah. Um, and you know, she also talks about like the fact that as her her mother got older and she got older, her mother became quite abusive, and that becomes very cl- it becomes very clear after that that her mother has. Um, a mental illness she has bipolar disorder and so yeah I I found that very interesting and I really appreciated that that was kind of the the book was about her life and her her kind of her feelings of connection to her family and that comes across even once she's in WWE and once she's wrestling because she still has these feelings of extreme guilt about how she's moved away and done better than her family and again like that's a thing I relate to Um, feeling responsible for her mom and dad that there's like a couple of moments in the book where she's moved to Florida and she's kind of she's not quite in WWE yet but she's training there and and doing matches there and doing shows there and then she'll go back to visit her family and each time she goes back she just sees how they're not coping when she's not there so the house gets more and more dirty and dishevelled and mum loses an extraordinary amount of weight Mm. they're not able to take care of themselves and they've relied so much on her and her money or just Mm. her being there to look after them and that guilt that she felt was you know it really wasn't a book about wrestling it was a book about someone who is burdened with responsibility that they're not they never signed up for yeah kids and i think that is a genre of ya which i really love reading it felt really weird then to read a biography of someone like this is real their real life it wasn't a nice ya book which necessarily has a lovely happy ending where you learn something about yourself yeah because i mean it's an autobiography so it's an it's an open ending and i mean wrestling itself was really thin on the ground in that book but i was totally okay with that yeah Yeah, and i mean aj doesn't seem to be wrestling herself anymore in fact she was um on instagram yesterday i saw that she um she was going to a a writing workshop at disney um i i would love to go to a writing workshop at disney um i can't wait to see what she does with that she's a mental health ambassador isn't she yeah so she does like a lot of work around mental health working with young girls and sports and body image and things like that that i've seen online so it seems like um yeah i'm really interested in her career beyond wwe so it wasn't we weren't reading that book for specifically like oh a behind the scenes yeah her life in wwe wasn't like that it was genuinely really interesting to find out about her life um i think one of the things that struck me about that book was some of the internalized misogyny which maybe aj lee has adopted and and i think is very prevalent in a lot of maybe sporty women as well because you're pitted against each Mm. other women athletes and other women wrestlers um there's like a couple of instances in the book where she talks about you know she's not like other girls because she wears converse and she's kind of tomboyish and small and likes uh, comics whereas you know other girls who wear like heels and have makeup and long flowing hair and and boobs or whatever um you know i always find it really strange and a bit damaging when you have girls who are like i only have friends who are guys and i don't like other women but i think something we were saying before we started recording today was that that's kind of very normal for a lot of young yeah, girls and i would also like completely hold my hand up to the fact that I mean, I don't even know where where it really ended because I guess it ended in a really staggered way. But I was like that. I was had a lot of internalized misogyny, um, probably well through to like my mid to like late twenties. Um, like I was that girl who was like, oh, I'm only friends with boys. Oh, I'm <laughs> I'm a like I'm a 
I'm a funny girl. But yeah, um, and you know, other stuff like, oh my God, this this is like gonna shock you to your core. But I always used to say that I hated girl bands, like <gasps> hated girl bands wow. for so long. And I guess some of my friends who know me from a long way back will remember this, but I used to like, I used to say how much I hated the Donners. It wasn't true. I had every Donners album. I can recite every fucking word oh to God. spend the night. But yeah, no, I used to say I didn't like girl bands, because I knew like the fights I would have to do like with people like particularly men because it Kate that was like the price of being a girl who liked music yeah um but yeah it's like we talked about fandom and gatekeeping a lot on this show and in terms of like the punk scene and DIY scene it's definitely a thing where you're proving yourself and it's like if you're better than the other girl like you're going to be considered one of the in group Mm -hmm. and like a real fan or a real punk or all that stuff and And the authenticity thing like i'm real i'm genuine and it's based on putting someone else down yeah it's internalized hatred of of women and i absolutely had that i absolutely had that i can guess as well that with aj being in wwe at the time that she was in she was genuinely in competition with her co-workers because you were fighting for that one 30 second um, slot in the spotlight yeah. so you do then start to view the other women around you as like well they've got extensions and their tits are out and like i'm not like them i'm different and but there's nothing wrong with wearing extensions and having your tits out no, tits like extensions look at the bellas and the iconics i love them i love them and what i was trying to say earlier about the bellas podcast is that if it weren't for nikki bella's um brain cyst that she's recently said that was the main reason she quit wrestling um they were gearing up to a massive tag team like storyline bellas versus iconics oh my god really yes genuinely really and femme on femme action yes oh my god that i would know been amazing. and that's the thing like there's nothing wrong with being high femme no no nothing captain obvious over here yeah we've been eliminated we're just starting that hey? question hey you got a journalism tonight you're gonna be joking me Thank you for listening to episode six of Grat Girls. Um, this was our mental health episode um, and we realised we didn't talk all that much about wrestling, but we are a queer feminist wrestling podcast. <laughs> this is more an emphasis on our queer and feminist lives. Um, so thank you for sticking with us. Episode seven will be a little bit more wrestling focused. We're doing a special episode looking at disability and accessibility at wrestling shows and spaces if you've got any experiences or stories to share with us then please get in touch with us via twitter or you can email us at grapgirls at gmail.com um we'd love to hear your thoughts and hear your opinions and if anybody would like to share anonymous stories with us then those are welcome as well our reading club book for next episode is going to be heather bandenberg uh, who was an episode who was a guest a few episodes ago um her new book unladylike which is a women's wrestling history so we're really looking forward to reading that and talking about it on our next episode if you're in london on thursday the 18th of july you could maybe join us in the audience at riverside bookstore to uh, celebrate the launch of this book heather will be doing a live q a and going through the book and signing that and you can get copies of it there we're really excited to go i'm really excited to read the book me too um maybe when i come out of this cloud of depression it'll be one of the few books i'm really excited about reading again yeah maybe i'll watch some wrestling shanas i think we will let's watch some fucking wrestling I think we're gonna watch some wrestling let's do it Woo! <laughs> Woo! Cool.
So, all right. <laughs>